Welcome to Tax Break, a podcast on the tax law brought to you by the lawyers at Miller & Chevalier. I'm Steve Dixon, a tax litigator and controversy lawyer at Miller & Chevalier. As always, I'm joined by my colleague, a tax policy and international tax lawyer, Lauren Pons. Good morning, Lauren. Good morning, Steve. And today we are so pleased to welcome an esteemed guest to the podcast, uh, we, Sharon Heck, the treasurer and chief tax officer at Intel. Welcome, Sharon. Thanks. Happy to be here. We're so glad to have you. So this is our second FIDI-focused podcast with in-house tax folks, uh, which are occasioned by the final FIDI regs that were released in July this summer. If you haven't already, please check out our podcast with Jeff Tebbs of Lockheed Martin. With Jeff, we went into some particulars about the regs. And I think today with Sharon, we'd like to have a higher level discussion about FIDI and its role uh, in, in, in her practice and, and in the tax law generally. Uh, as always, we remind you the tax break is our podcast about tax law topics that we find interesting. We try to give you something more than what you get in the press coverage, but we like to stay out of the weeds so you can follow along without your fine print regs in front of you. And as always, a disclaimer, tax break is not legal advice and it is not intended to be legal advice. It reflects the thoughts and opinions of its hosts and guests. So welcome, Sharon. Yes. Happy to be here. Yeah. I'm glad we're not getting into the nitty gritty. I didn't <laughs> study for this. Right. We'll have a multiple choice quiz partway through. So. Okay. Pass fail, I hope. <laughs> Absolutely. So Sharon, I think it would be really interesting. Um, well, first, let me say thank you for doing this. We're really happy that you were able to join us. Um, and we did think that maybe we could go into kind of some practical considerations raised by, by some of the features in the regs and FIDI itself. And also um, it would be interesting to talk about some policy considerations going forward, particularly in light of um, the upcoming election and kind of looking at what might happen, what could happen and, and where FIDI would, would fall in, in, in future tax policy initiatives. Um, so, Maybe you could give us a little bit of background about what you're seeing from a practical side and how FIDI is impacting things that, that you guys are looking at from a company perspective. Yeah, absolutely. So as you and the audience knows, FIDI is such an important incentive and piece of the overall TCGA structure that, that we um, were gifted a, a few years ago. And so really, in, in my mind, it is as we look at where to put operations in a global world, FIDI is an important element of the U.S. incentives to really help motivate and, and incentivize people in domestic manufacturing. And one of the things that is helpful about the provision, Intel never moved any of their IP offshore. And so Intel is US owned IP and, and has a huge base of our manufacturing in the US, but it's expensive to operate in the US. And we 
are competing with a lot of competitors that are not US based. And, and we have a chart that shows the semiconductor foundries over time. And it's gone from, I, I don't know that it was hundreds, but uh, several 50 or, or so plus, and it's whittled down to just three and, and we're the only US based one. And so as we think through really helping support U.S. industries. To me, FIDI is such an important piece as there's a lot of different incentives globally. And the U.S. has not had consistent policies for domestic manufacturing. Certainly, we have 199. Certainly, we had FISC and ETI. And, and we've had several regimes. One of the things that I'm hoping is FIDI will have some real staying power and certainty because as you know, deciding to invest in a manufacturing plant, one, that's not a decision you make in a day. Right. It's, it's a decision that takes years to, to really think through. And one of the things that I have to do as a head of tax is say, what will the tax law look like in five years, in 10 years in that country? And that lack of certainty is troubling when you have to really make that judgment and you're spending billions of dollars based on what you expect the law to be and what the law currently is, but it, it tends to migrate quite a bit. So right. I'm hoping that FIDI has some real staying power and, and we keep some consistency here in the U.S. as far as domestic manufacturing incentives. Right. Could you talk? Could you talk a little bit about how the the calculus changes in that regard for as it as we move as we move from one ninety nine to 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 fifty? What are the different sort of things that you would have to sort of think about in planning for the future and planning expansion in manufacturing? Yeah, one ninety nine was a little more straightforward, right? You, you didn't have to think through what is your supply chain going to look like? Who are your customers? How are you approaching your, your sales um, process? With 199, if you manufacture domestically, you, you got the incentive. With FIDI, it's, you have to make sure you think through, okay, if I have a, a customer that right now perhaps has a foreign distribution center in Europe, but if they go through restructuring and move that distribution center to New York, then suddenly that shifted my tax footprint through nothing that I, that I did on my own. And that's hard for management at times to, to understand. There, there's less certainty in that prediction of FIDI because actions of others can impact my company's tax results. And, and so that's where it's, it's a little, you have to put a discount on it in considering the incentive in making decisions compared to 199 where you had certainty of your own actions delivered those results. Right. So it sounds like there's there really two layers of uncertainty, right? One, will FIDI last going forward? But then the second part, which is even if it does last, this concept of end user and the dependency of the deduction on satisfaction of the end user requirement being foreign, um, 
really, really throws a wrench in your planning capabilities because you you cannot mandate <laughs> M&A activity of, of business partners. Right. Unfortunately, yeah. you cannot. <laughs> so. you, unfortunately. <laughs> Lauren, that's exactly right. With regard to that prediction, one of the things that you have to do as a chief tax officer is look into the future. And, and one of the things I know I'm always wrong in doing that, but I try to be as right as I can. And having that double layer of uncertainty, and, and I would say there's even a third, because I've got to think through what are my ultimate audit results in right this as well because that and how is that administrator administrated by um the irs that that has the ultimate uh benefit get crystallized once you get through that process so appreciative of the the regs having um given us more flexibility around documentation but that the documentation standard and and how that will look at get looked at on audit is is adding a third as well Right. So lots of uncertainty. And you also mentioned something that's really important um, that was a cornerstone of TCJA, which was focusing on either keeping IP in the U.S. or redomesticating IP, which really, I think, plays into our overarching tax policy that's been in place for years, which is to encourage domestic uh, research and development um, to give rise to valuable IP, right? And so we know that Biddy has some controversy around R&D expense allocation that's been put off um, until foreign tax credit regs are issued any day now, I would imagine. Um, but also, can we just talk about kind of the importance of Biddy to your, your innovation plans domestically and in this ongoing approach to making sure that you're, you're able to stay competitive, particularly when you know there are not that many foundries left in the world. Um, and you know, you're the only one that's domestic here. Um, so how do you have to keep up with these with these foreign competitors and what are you doing? Yeah, and I I have to uh first answer that with a plug for I chair a RD coalition and we're focused on the 174 rules where R&D amortization will kick in in 2022. And to me, that has even more of a chilling effect on investing in R&D in the US. It, we spend close to $13 billion overall in R&D around the globe, and a majority of that is in the US. And so having that amortization phase in, it's an interesting discussion with the, my CFO and, and leadership on the impact of that. It's a cash tax right. expense mm -hmm. or, or hit, cash flow hit. However, for FIDI, amortizing that R&D improves the results. And, and so it's an interesting place that we're in where you have two rates a two-rate system where you have an expense that increases the amount of income in the lower rate, it pulls your effective tax rate average down. So it's a helpful effective tax rate item, but it's a harmful free cash flow item. And we haven't had that dynamic 
in a significant way in our US tax system. So that's a new feature to really help management understand. And that just adds complexity too to that investing in R&D because it's not a straightforward answer that's easy to understand when you're at a board of director level or when you're making decisions on on big dollars if if tax if the tax incentives are just too hard for the non-tax person to understand they tend to even subconsciously discount them right and i think that interplay um is is adding some some complexity in in the fiddy and, and r d system here and and we need to need to focus on that. We'll be the only country that has R&D amortization and, and doesn't allow full expensing. So yes. hopefully, hopefully we get that corrected. Yes, there's a lot of pressure uh, <laughs> for that to never, <laughs> never come into existence. So you're exactly. Um, and so this is good because we, you know, we can kind of shift our focus forward. Um, you know, we have an election coming up in about a month and a half. Um, and really, <laughs> and Biden has, uh, his campaign has put out several tax policy um, proposals, but I think really what's interesting is that a cornerstone of, of, of um, his plan is really focused on domestic production. Um, so there's a, a made in America feature where they really want to incentivize um, domestic production, R&D, and you would think that Intel would be, you know, a poster child for such policy in terms of what it does, where it does it, and, and its place um, in the industry as a leader. And so I really would like to hear your views kind of on, this is prognostication, right, because we don't know what's going to happen, but will Fiddy last and where it would play in this framework, because at the same time, he has proposed some rather um, tough <laughs> modifications to guilty and to your earlier point that FIDI is part of a framework where you look at guilty and FIDI as two sides of the same coin. Where might FIDI shake out in, in some of these proposals going forward? Yeah, I wonder if it's in addition to, right, it gets mm -hmm. to that uncertainty of this tax system and, and we've been focused on domestic manufacturing really for decades but mm. haven't had what I felt is really a a stable regime. I, mm. I know in the fifth days we were talking about how long will it last, same with ETI, same with 199 as we had those rates really escalate up and and now same same with Vidi with the lack of stability of TCJA. So I I really hope that it, to the extent that there is a shift, it's it's not a replace because we've done so much of that. Let's let's think through what do we need to incentivize even more focusedly. So perhaps it is a domestic to domestic manufacturing that FIDI doesn't capture that can be a, a made in America add-on or there's a bill in the semiconductor space on um, incentive tax credits mm -hmm. that would really help in domestic manufacturing for no matter who your end customer is. And so whether it's strategic industries or domestic manufacturing at all, I do feel that there's room for more incentives. I'm hopeful that it's not a 
replace, but an enhancement to our, our manufacturing incentives. And that, and that semiconductor bill, I understand that's a, a fairly bipartisan measure and, and that there are concerns about making sure that there's sufficient semiconductor production in the U.S. for security reasons. So it seems right. like it seems like you and your industry have at least a a a bipartisan audience. For it's so important. We, yeah. Also on the R and D uh, amortization effort, we've been doing. We we've got pretty equal signatures on those bills. And and to me, bipartisan tax policy is so mission critical for that certainty and stability, as you know. And and so we work really hard to suggest policies, advocate for policies that that really do resonate over on both sides of, of the aisle. So yeah, I, I think um, if, if you if you don't have bipartisan tax policy, it's it's just fraught with um, lack of stability for sure. It may be anyway, but <laughs> it causes it even more. No, that's a good point. I, I do think that uh, going forward, you know, we recently, I guess in recent years, tax has become uh, much more partisan, but um, I think the overarching theme, and I think both sides of the aisle can agree to your point, that certain things are important to um, just American the American economy, and we can all agree that domestic production is a is a goal that we should all be pushing. Uh, we can all agree that we need to maintain our spot as as one of the most innovative countries in the world. You know, and so it should be a no brainer. And I agree that it would be nice to have um, additive policies as opposed to reductive. Um, yeah, there, Larry Gibbs, who was is a partner at Miller and Chevalier wrote a fantastic article. He's been a, a wonderful mentor of mine and mm -hmm. he wrote an article several years back about tax policy and the importance of having it be bipartisan and the history over the past 50 years, which was really insightful for me as I was just, just really getting my feet into tax policy in a deep way to recognize that historical frame where we we really took a, a principal path to tax policy of making sure that it was bipartisan and mm -hmm. i'm hopeful that we pick up that historical tradition and and start moving forward in that way it's it's just too complex of a policy to uh not not have that certainty right and to undo so um and you raise also a good point with the investment tax credit because one of biden's proposals does have a proposed kind of 10 percent credit for redomesticating domestic manufacturing um and and trying to treat it as kind of a carrot and stick proposition so perhaps the investment tax credit idea could be slotted into there and you know right if it could remain um in effect any any closing thoughts about Fiddy or what's going forward and, and, and where it fits into your, your everyday business um, that you would like to leave us with? Yeah, just uh, want to remind the listeners that there it's so important to take these tax concepts and really simplify them for your non tax executives really help to give, but give them the comprehensive picture of, of 
all of these dynamics that are impacting the answer. When you get asked a tax question, the answer is always maybe, or <laughs> I'm not certain. And so really helping them understand why are you at maybe, and when will it be that you'll get that certainty? Like we were saying, there's, there's all these different elements that are, are impacting Fiddy. but I appreciate Lauren, you and Steve doing this podcast and, and helping to educate the tax world. And I, I thank you for allowing me to join you. Absolutely. And, thank and you. we'd be happy to have you back. So. Yeah. Thank you so <laughs> much for, for coming on. Um, and uh, I don't know, maybe Lauren will have another Fiddy podcast, not so far in the future. <laughs> Maybe. Well, you know, depending on what happens with the election, we could be having a lot of fitting conversations in the next That's true. That's well, true. and the new, the new um, foreign tax credit regs will definitely be watched by people interested in FITI. So I do feel that um, at least a FITI discussion as part of those regs will be uh, forthcoming, I hope. That's oh, right. yes. Yes, we could do a lightning, <laughs> a lightning round with that, that package. Yeah. <laughs> rules, R&D expense allocation, interest, it, it would be great. <laughs> yep. All right. Thanks. Thanks so much for coming on, Sharon. Thank you. And for our listeners, if you have any uh, questions or comments or ideas for future topics, please send us an email at podcasts at milchev.com. That's podcasts, plural, at M-I-L-C-H-E-V dot com. Thanks. Mm -hmm.